So Money episode 181, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. It's Ask Farnoosh time. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi, and this is Ask Farnoosh Saturday edition. Tomorrow is also Ask Farnoosh. And as promised, because I ran reruns last weekend for the 4th of July holiday weekend, I have a... I have amassed quite a number of questions since the last two weeks, and I'm going to dedicate today and tomorrow to trying to catch up and getting all of your questions answered. So if you've asked a question since last last Monday, uh, chances are you will get an answer this weekend. And, you know, it's Saturday, so I like to uh, be a little generous at the top of the show, return a favor to one reviewer, one kind reviewer of the show, as if you're catching this for the first time and not sure what I'm talking about. So every Saturday, I pick one new reviewer on iTunes, one of the more recent reviewers, to win a free 15-minute money session with me. And these sessions, I call them money sessions, but really they can be anything you want them to be. I just show up with a coffee and uh, we chat. And sometimes the conversation is about money and other times it's about you know, motherhood or life or career, wherever uh, the, the the 15 minutes takes us. And so it's just nice to connect with you guys one-on-one, you know, it's it's really cool to, to see a face to the listeners. And I hope that uh, my listeners are enjoying this. So anyway, to encourage reviews, uh, because we know reviews are very important. If you're a podcast in the iTunes store, you are nowhere without at least some reviews. And we have collectively as a as a group, as a force, I have now 280 reviews. That's uh, like, I'm so floored because, I mean, I look at some other podcasts and they have like four reviews and they've been doing this for, you know, many more months than I have. So um, they're, of course, buried in the iTunes store. And I have the privilege of having a little bit of a spotlight in the iTunes store once in a while because I think the reviews are so strong and so plentiful. And so, uh, I like reviews. What can I say? And to encourage them, I offer one free 15-minute money session with one new for one new reviewer. And uh, because we skipped last week, I'm going to pick two people this week. And I'm going to go first with Alma Dale. It says, awesome podcast. Farnoosh gets a remarkable cast of guests to join her. Many have their own podcasts that I also subscribe to. It's like the secret circle of financial wizards working to control podcastville. Seriously, Farnoosh has intelligent guests and topics that are on the cutting edge. Love that it is every day too. Oh my gosh. Thank you, especially for saying that you like that this is every day because I'll be honest, some days I do consider cutting back. And sometimes my listeners write in and they're like, Farnoosh, slow down. I can't take it anymore. (laughs) It's taken me weeks, months to catch up. Uh, but for some reason, there's a little voice in my head that says, keep going, keep going, keep going. Good things will happen. Good things are happening. And obviously, if you're enjoying it, then I must be doing something right. And so thank you, Alma Dale. Uh, before I give you some instructions, I'm going to announce the second winner of the So Money 15-minute money session with me. And I pick uh, Ina Library. 
And it's a short review, short and sweet. Remember, it doesn't have to be like this long, long love letter. And it doesn't have to be a love letter. It can be a smart criticism or a thoughtful a, a thoughtful criticism or a thoughtful, you know, no haters. But, you know, I like to hear from both sides of the spectrum and I respect both sides of the spectrum. So if you don't like something but you can be respectful about it and you post it on iTunes and you give me a three, um, hey, we might still connect. Um, and so I – anyway, didn't get any of those this week, thankfully, I guess. And I want to c- celebrate Ina – uh, and, and give a shout out to Ina. She says, best way to get inspiration every day. Very interesting people, thought-provoking interviews, inspiration on all of life's matters, not just money, addicted to this channel. Thank you, Ina. And, and so Ina and Alma, Dale, email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com, and I will respond as quickly as I can with some instructions on how to book your free 15-minute money session with me. And I look forward to connecting with you both. Thanks so much. All right, let's get to our deluge of <laughs> not a deluge. It's but it is a good it's a good it's a good chunk of questions and I'm really excited to get to them. And so without further ado, let's let's dig in. Okay, we got a question here from Celine or Selin. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing your name 100% correctly. Says, "Hi Farnoosh, thanks for the opportunity to ask a question. I have credit card debt that I'm currently paying off, but also wanting to start my own business right away." My business will require about five to seven grand to start. Would you wait to pay off the debt or start the business? I appreciate your answer and your time. Well, I appreciate you, Selen. Thanks for your question. I would say pay off the debt. You know, it's it's as someone who has their own business, and I know a lot of business owners, and you've heard a lot of business owners on this show, it, it really helps to start off your business with a clear slate. Financially speaking, you, of course, might incur some debt as your business takes off, as it grows. You might take on a business loan, and that's fine, but I would not want you to add to any existing debt. You know, it's it's just, it'll clear your conscience, it'll clear your plate, um, it'll just allow you to then also be better qualified for loans down the road. If you're someone who's carrying debt, and then you realize I need a loan to move my business forward, you go to the bank, and they're like, well... You know, selling you got you know lots of credit card debt. You're not you know we can give you this loan, but it'll be a really high interest rate. So you're going to be punishing yourself in in some ways in the future if you don't get rid of this sooner than later. And I would also say, by the way, that as many of my guests here on So Money have discussed with me and, and shared, a lot of entrepreneurs have started their businesses with like zero bucks in the bank account, and or very little. And so the point is that you can bootstrap your way to starting the business. You may not have the five to $7,000 now, but what can you do to sort of still get the wheels in motion that doesn't require any money? What sort of connections can you make or designs can you prepare or plans can you build that will allow you to still dedicate time and thought and energy and productivity to your business plan? And all the while you're paying down the debt. So once the debt's gone, you can hit the ground running. Get it? So that's what I would do. I would I would be a little conservative here, and um, hopefully it's debt that you can get rid of within the year, so that you don't have to wait that long to start your business. Good luck, Alberto writes in. She says he says, "Hey, I'll be fifty three years old this September with a few uh, dollars in savings, but no retirement money." What do you think is the best retirement investment strategy for me, considering the short span of time until I retire at 65? Well, before I give you an investment strategy, and I'm going to be very broad there because I don't like to give like stock picks or any kind of like specific 
diversity, any specific, um, you know, uh, advice. But I will say that at 53 with little in savings and no retirement, I would consider retiring later than 65. Uh, the longer you wait to retire, the more money you'll have coming in for the longer period of time. You can navigate retirement a lot more comfortably, I think. You'll be making that paycheck and you can you know, just be able to save and spend uh, more comfortably as you get older. And for right now, I would say if you don't have any retirement savings, do as the best you can, tuck away at least, you know, 20% or more of your paycheck, at least, you know, 30%, 40%, 50% would be ideal. Uh, do this for the next 10 years. Maybe it's uh, in your company 401k. Maybe it's in a tax taxable account. Maybe it's in an IRA uh, or uh, probably not a Roth IRA, but maybe an individual retirement account. I'm guessing you're 53. You're probably making too much to invest in a Roth IRA. I don't know. No, you know, I'm just saying these are your options, but somehow, somewhere, be saving some money for retirement where it is being invested. And as far as the strategy, you know, you're 53, you're going to retire at 65. I wouldn't be more than 50% invested in equities, in other words, stocks and mutual funds that have stocks. Uh, the rest I would put in bonds, uh, money market, cash like investments. And Keep in mind that while 50% may seem still aggressive, you know, you're 53, you might think, wow, that's a lot. You know, when you retire at 65 or maybe longer later, you're not going to take all that money out. That money will continue to sit and grow. You'll be taking out a percentage of that income, uh, that money at 60 something, uh, but the rest will stay invested. And so uh, you're investment horizon is is longer than just 10 or 12 years get it so it's it's okay to be aggressive but i would you know keep an keep an eye on it when you approach 60 i wouldn't maybe be still 50% invested in equities maybe you don't do 40% 35% um and then i would also say and i've said this before in the show and guests have said this that uh you want to delay your social security benefits as long as you can the the latest you can take out social security is age 70 you can start at 62 but if you can wait to as close as 70 to start withdrawing your social security benefits your benefit will be a lot bigger and so that's another way to you know kind of buffer your retirement your, your retirement financially speaking. So that's my advice for you. Uh, think about retiring a little bit, little bit later to continue to bring in some income, save as much as you can right now, as much. If it means downsizing, go for it. Sell the home, get a smaller home, sell some stuff, get rid of the second car. And this is all stuff that's going to come in handy anyway when you age because you're not going to want all this extra stuff lying around. I'm going through this with my parents right now, trying to convince them they're about your age. Well, no, actually older, but you know, in the ballpark <laughs> they're you know, the great thing is that they feel young and they feel very spirited and alive and, you know, very youthful. And so they don't think of retirement. They think of retirement as like their parents' retirement. So they're not psychologically there yet to think, oh my gosh, I really shouldn't have that third car, mom and dad. What? Yeah. So, um, why is it the daughter, the, the one who always has to break the, the news? Um, but <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there as a team. But anyway, thanks for your question, Alberto. I digress a little bit, but I uh, hope that was somewhat helpful.
Rosie writes in and says, hey, I'm a receptionist security at the entry of an embassy in Washington, D.C. Right now, the job will be eliminated in November, and my previous job was as a receptionist at the same place, and that job has also been eliminated. We used to be four people rotated between the switchboard road and entry. They decided to put everything on the recording system. Hmm. Could you tell me what I can do now at 62? How can I make money uh, or how to start an online business. I won't be able to live with $750 a month. My rent is $12.38 a month and I have to pay electricity and food. I don't look my age. Many people tell me that. Well, Rosie, uh, yeah, $750 a month is not very much, especially if your rent alone exceeds that. So I would say, look, don't get so bent on trying to replace the job that you have. And it doesn't sound like you are. You know, you're telling me you want to look for an online business, make money elsewhere. Good, smart. Don't 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 be so concerned about replacing the job that you have because obviously that job is eliminated or getting eliminated. So, think about what are the skills that you have that you've amassed over the, you know, 30, 40 years that you've been working. Your skills as a receptionist, your skills working for the government, your skills working in security. I would imagine you're really great at communications, really organized, responsive, resourceful. Maybe you're a really good writer. You're probably good with a computer. So those are skills that can transfer to a lot of jobs. And a lot of these jobs are online. I would mention a few places to check out, elands.com, odesk.com. Even a site like TaskRabbit, which you won't find consistent work necessarily there in terms of the same employer or the same task, but you can find a variety of different things you can do. And the great thing is you can pick what you want to do. And um, that might be a way to uh, supplement the 750 that you're getting a month. I'm assuming that might be, I don't know, Social Security or your pension. Uh, and by the way, if that is one or the other, uh, you might want to find out what your social security payout will be because that will add to this too. Um, you're 62, so you technically can start withdrawing. I would hold off if you could. If you heard me talk to uh, Alberto just now, I would hold off on that. But curious, what would be your social security payout if you were to withdraw now? And that could be something that you could rely on. And back to the, you know, the sites like Elance and Odesk, uh, depending on the job, you could pay anywhere from $10 an hour to $30 an hour or more. I mean, my brother literally just hired someone off of TaskRabbit to help him move a couch. And this guy, he has a van and a dolly and he charges $100 an hour, two hour minimum, regardless of what you have to do. So to move this couch and a desk from one house to another in New York City, my brother paid him 200 bucks, even though the job took him from start to finish like less than an hour. So people are making cash, making good cash on these sites. And it's just about being really kind of entrepreneurial and thinking outside the box and really understanding what your skill sets are and how they can transfer. And so that's what I would say you could do. And you could do this now. You could do this while you're working. You don't have to wait till your job ends. So, you know, test the waters and let me know how it goes. If you need more guidance, send in another question. Good luck, Rosie. Dahomey says, hey, Farnoosh, first, I love your advice. It's very helpful. Thank you so much for everything you share. I would like to know what will be the best company or your best advice 
to grow my money or what type of investment I should invest my money in? Well, Dahomey, you haven't been listening to the podcast that closely or that much because I, and this isn't a diss. I I, I know there's like we're at episode 180 something, so I'm, I'm not going to hold this against you, but I will just want to tell you and everyone else listening that I don't dispense investment picks or stock picks. You'll never find me saying, you know, buy XYZ company at X shares. Like I, that's just not my business and I don't I don't have expertise in that and I won't lie, I won't pretend that I do. Um I wish, man, if I could if I could do that, I would probably not be having a podcast. I'd be like investing for myself all day long. Um but if you want to learn about this and I and I encourage you to you know educate yourself and learn and maybe not here but elsewhere, I would suggest Frank Curzio. I interviewed him. He was on my show. I believe he was one of the episode 78, yeah. And I've known Frank for almost a decade. He's one of the country's most respected and recognized stock experts. He's been looking at stocks for almost two decades. He's traveled all over the world to handpick the best companies to invest in. So he doesn't just like look at charts and subscribe to Bloomberg. And that's how he picks his investments. He actually goes to the plants. He goes to the countrysides. He visits the employees to learn about how these companies are run. So he has extremely acute sense of an extreme acute sense of like, you know, the health of these companies and the, the viability of these companies. So, um, he is, uh, you can find him online and he also has a podcast. He's frankcurzio.com and his web, his podcast, I believe is also called like the Frank Curzio show or it's called, um, oh gosh. Oh, Wall Street Unplugged. Wall Street Unplugged. Okay. It's a top podcast on iTunes. If you can't find it, it's usually like a hot podcast in the business category or the investing category. So, um, check out, check out Frank and um, good luck. I am sorry I can't give you more specific advice, but I would say check Frank out. Brian writes in, he says, hey, Farnoosh, my family and I have paid over $109,000 worth of debt and I have been running a personal finance blog for two years. I recently lost my job, but because of my emergency fund, it was not a stressful situation for the family. I would love to be featured on your podcast. Hey, Brian, well, congratulations. That's phenomenal. Six figures worth of debt. Uh, I, I want to learn more about you. So so continue to write in. Um, email me, Farnoosh at So Many Podcasts, with your website information. Uh, just, you know, maybe a couple paragraphs about your journey, maybe your bio. And so I will, uh, I will look at that very closely and I will be in touch. So get in touch with me and I will get in touch with you. Thank you for writing in. Abba writes in and says, I'm in the process of changing jobs. My current place of employment offers full payment towards a second master's degree in public health, which happens to be my passion. The other offers uh, a significant pay raise and the ability to learn and grow my career significantly in the next five years as a millennial professional. Should I stay at my current job for the next three years for this free master's degree at an Ivy League Or should I leave and explore my options at another organization that will expose me to the best people in my field of healthcare? Well, Abba, this is a tough question. I know why you're writing in now. I wouldn't be able to answer this in a vacuum if I were you. Um, I will start with this quote, and I've used this quote on the show before. And I think because for me, it's like, it's something that I learned this year and I've been 
I've been obsessed with this quote. So it goes like this. Uh, Success without fulfillment is failure. Okay. That's not my quote. That's Tony Robbins. Success without fulfillment is failure. It sounds like the second option of being able to get the bigger paying job with the exciting opportunities, exposing you to people, blah, blah, blah. That's all great and sounds successful, but will you be fulfilled? And I don't think you will because you told me already that getting your master's degree in public health, that sector, that that passion, that is your passion. That's your passion career. And so I think, you know, if you ever have an opportunity to get a master's degree from an Ivy League school for free, it's like really hard to pass up, especially this is for a degree that you are obsessed with, that you are passionate about, that you want to learn about. Um, I mean, it, it, what, now that I think about it, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer to me. I mean, the only other thing I would say about the other job opportunity is that it pays more. Um, it just depends on what you want out of life. Like, you know, do you want to be the guy or the gal? I'm not sure if you're a female or a man. Sorry, I can't tell from your name. But would you want to be the person who looks at your who looks at her, his or her life and thinks, yeah, I have a lot of stuff. I know a lot of people. I have a great job title. I make good money, but I don't really love what I do. Or do you want to be the person who says, I love what I do. It requires some trade-offs. I can't necessarily afford what I want all the time and I have to save a lot more and you know, um, I have longer hours, but man, I love this and I would do this for free. And I know I have friends in public health. They don't make a lot of money. And so if you, and I know that you have to get your master's in some cases to, to grow and to, to uh, get promoted within that sector. It's sort of a punishment in some ways because this is a field where we need devoted, excited, passionate, smart, intelligent, interested people. And we're like punishing them by requiring them to get this degree that necessarily costs, you know, all this money. So I say, if this is your passion and we know this is a degree that is expensive and you're getting it from an Ivy League and this is a field that at least in the beginning doesn't pay that much, go for it. Because free master's degrees from Ivy League schools are very hard to come by. I mean, this is the first time I've actually heard of this. (laughs) But, you know, getting a cool job they're out there and you seem very qualified. You're going to, if you, if you're already getting an offer like this now, you'll get the offer. will be there again later if you want it from somewhere else maybe. But point is, it sounds like the school, the free education is a very once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. And so I would say, you know, maybe that's what you do. I'm not saying you have to do it, but I, I would just say, like, if I was your friend and we were talking about this over some coffee or tea or drink, I'd say, you know what? I think that's what you have to do. And I think that's what you know you want to do, but you're just really, you're tempted because the other job offer is just so, it's so cool. It's it, it, it screams success and we all want to be successful in life, but you will also be successful if you take this other path. And, and it's very honorable that you're that you're wanting to go into this field. So good luck with whatever you decide to do. But I'm kind of, I'm, be, I'm, I'm kind of on the side of the master's degree for free from an Ivy League. Check, check, check. Next question, Carr, he says, I recently moved to New York with my boyfriend, or sorry, she says, I'm, or he, I don't know. People, you have, all my guests, all my listeners have very um, 
um, ambiguous names. Um, maybe it's like Farnoosh. I've, I've met a male Farnoosh too. So this is cool, I guess. Uh, Carr says, I recently moved to New York with my boyfriend of two and a half years. We met in Boston. He earned six figures. Then we moved to California to pursue creative careers. While we were out there for a year, our money situation was very much the same. I even relied on him to pay the rent to my own dismay. Now I just got a job and I'm making more than him. It's only been a month and I can already sense how bothered he is by it. He grew up with a stay-at-home mom. My mom was always the breadwinner. Do you have any tips on how we can overcome our differing ideologies? Yes. Well, I wrote a whole book about it. Check out When She Makes More. <laughs> and I'm not sure if you're a man or a woman. I'm going to guess a woman. What's really important when there's income disparity in any relationship when there's income disparity and one partner feels as though because of this income disparity, he or she is, and if she's making less or he's making less, that, that he or she is less than, that they're powerless or they're not as much of a provider. That needs some addressing in the relationship. You need to just address it head on and say, look, you know, your relationship with money is not my relationship with money. I don't see money like that. I don't see as me making more as a tilt in power or that I have, that I'm better than you or that I have more, my time is more valuable or that I am the better provider in this relationship. I was just talking to a guest the other day, uh, my leak uh, Teal, whose episode airs this week. And she makes a good bit of money, a lot of money. She owns her own company and dating has been tough for her. Uh, now she has a great uh, partner, but in the past it was tough because she felt she, she was under the impression that a lot of the men that she was dating sensed that because she was able to take care of herself financially and made good money, that she didn't need them. And I think that's a big misconception. I think that's one you want to articulate to your partner and say, just because I can take care of myself and I can make money, make more than you in this in this particular time in our relationship, it could change. But for now, yes, I'm making more than you and I'm providing for things for us. It doesn't mean that I don't need you. It doesn't mean that I don't have needs. And it doesn't mean that you can't still be my most important person in my life. Because that's what your partner really wants to, to be for you in some ways. And for a while, maybe because he was making more and he grew up in a very traditional household, he saw money as the ultimate way to provide. And now that's no longer necessary or required or, or the reality. So he may be sensing a sort of sense of, um, he doesn't know his identity, identity anymore in the relationship, his sense of purpose. So as a couple, you need to reestablish each other's purposes in the relationship. Um, and I would just say, approach him and say, let's talk about how this is making you feel. I don't want money to get in uh, the way of our relationship. Tell him that you're happy to be able to earn as much as you do because it means that the two of you can live more comfortably. It means that there's a little bit less stress in the relationship. Talk about the positives, that it may even mean, guess what, that he can take more risks in his creative career because he's not dependent on trying to bring home this big paycheck and that you're, you're, you're managing that for now. So that's a great gift that you're providing him. And together, it's really important that you discuss ways that he can be the most important person still to you. How can he take care of you in your life in a way that is meaningful and that is what addresses your needs? Um, what kind of big ask can you ask of him? Is it like, hey, can you please manage all of the, the financial 
issues in our in our relationship as far as bill paying and negotiating our rent, all that sort of like the money stuff. Not that you're out of touch with it, but that he's sort of at the helm of it. Uh, maybe it's that he helps with uh, finding a new place for you guys to live, that he helps with managing the meals and the meal planning in the house. He does all the food shopping, maybe all of the above. So again, this is like something that you as a couple have to decide what you want to do, how you want to rethink the relationship in terms of roles and providing. And this thing, you know, the good news is that your boyfriend wants to step up in a big way. I have a feeling that if he's feeling a little unsure now because of this tilt in the financial picture in your in your relationship, that it's probably because he's like, man, how do I how do I show up for my for my partner? you know, in a big way. I used to be the provider financially. Now I'm not. I kind of, I'm lost at sea. So you just need to like, you know, throw him some life support (laughs) and pull him in and say, look, it's not that big of a deal. This is actually a great opportunity for us and for you. And I want you to seize, seize the moment. Let's seize the moment. So take advantage of this and, and, um, you know, together find some way to make peace over the income disparity. So look, you can tell I'm very passionate about this. I live this. So good luck and thanks for your question. And we've got one last question here before we wrap from Monica. She says, hey, Farnoosh, love the podcast. Listen every day. And I try to implement the advice that you and the guests share into my daily life. I took your advice and asked for a raise and received a raise of $3,000. Woohoo, Monica. My question is, what should I do with the extra money? It's only an additional 90 bucks a month. I graduated in 2013 and this is my first job. I have about six months of living expenses saved in my emergency account. I have a TSP. I have a Roth IRA. I contribute to get the max match of 5%. I want to save for a house and I want to travel. Should I up my contribution at work, take home the money or something else? Monica, listen, first of all, High five, girlfriend, $3,000 raise. That's excellent. This is probably your first job out of school, I'm guessing, or second job. So, you know, the fact that you're you're flexing this negotiating muscle now, it means you're only going to make more and more and more down the road and you're going to be a lot better and smoother at asking for that raise the next time and the next time and the next time. So way to go. And it also sounds like you have a lot of financial bases covered. You know, you're saving for retirement. You've got the emergency account max to the six months. That's excellent. So, girlfriend, I want you to take a vacation. Yeah, because that is so money. You are so money. You have done everything right up to this point. You deserve to celebrate. And, you know, save as much as you can on this vacation. You don't maybe spend the whole $3,000 or maybe you do. I will be fine with either way you go for it. If you want to splurge, you want to go frugal, go with a friend, um, split a room. I did this when I was 25. My first, like, real vacation, I was 25. My, My best friend and I, Kate, we went to the Bahamas and we stayed at like the Marriott and I think like we did it together both under for a week. I think we spent like less than a thousand bucks each and it was a really fun moment. I really felt like an adult at that point and it was really rewarding. So you know what? You did a good thing and you deserve a reward. So save a little bit, put aside for a vacation. If you've got a little bit left over, put it towards the retirement. You're getting the max of match max of 5%, which is great. So I guess you're getting like, I don't know, 10% all in, which is excellent. Um, if you've got a little bit left over, you know, pad the pad retirement or pad the emergency, but go on the vacation. 
And that's where I'm going to end. Ending on a high note. Thank you, Monica, for that. And thank you also to everyone else who's asked a question for today. Car, Abba, Brian, Dahomey, Rosie, Alberto, Selen. We've got lots more questions tomorrow. And so stay tuned. I hope the rest of your Saturday, everyone, is so money. 